Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I keep thinking every morning in the midst of all the craziness of this world, I keep asking you how you're doing, and it probably frustrates you because you can't tell me how you're doing. You can if you call in. But if you call in, you need to have a question. So little little uh, catch there. Um, I do pray you're doing well. And again, I think the worst things get... And I say this every day, the worse things get, the more we need to get the message that our Lord would have us focus on one thing and one thing only, and that is being grateful for the faith that we have, for the grace of God within us, and for every grace we are able to receive when when Mass is open, when we're able to receive our Lord. Um, and again, whatever is taken from us, no one can ever take our faith from us. But we need to start living the faith as the first Christians did. They received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and they went to tell the world. And when they got, that was in Acts chapter 2, and when they got a little, uh, not clicky, but... Um, uh, groupie, and they stayed home, and they got together, and they celebrated their faith, and they ceased going out to the world. Uh, it's uh, around uh, Acts chapter 7, I think. Uh, God sent a persecution on them, and they, in order to scatter them all over the Mediterranean, and they brought the gospel to the world. Um And I think that's what God would have us to do, not only bring the gospel to the world, but first get serious ourselves and live our faith as if it's true, as if it matters, as if nothing else matters but eternity and honoring God in this life. So I have been talking about um, the key to our restoration being our personal holiness and the restoration of the family. And I began, I think, oh, what day is this? Two days ago now, to read an article by now venerable servant of God, uh, Father John Harden, who wrote this in 1988, 32 years ago. You would, you would think he wrote it yesterday. It's amazing that he knew all this 32 years ago, that he had this insight and perspective, um, which is why he's up for sainthood. He's just... Um, a saint, that's all there is uh, to it about him. He's wonderful. And um, I began to read, and we didn't get very far, and I promised you I would read this to you, and I'm going to read it and start now so we have time before um, we get together with calls and questions. And Father begins, he says, It is common knowledge that something drastic has happened to the family in the modern world. Countries like the United States reveal such a breakdown of marriage as Western civilization has not known in 2,000 years. 
There are many reasons for this rebellion against the family and revolution against marital stability. Every sin is an act of rebellion. That's what sin is, an act of rebellion. That's what God um, uh, told um, uh, the Hebrews through Samuel in the Old Testament. Sin is rebelliousness. It is lawlessness. It is an act against God's law. So when you sin... If someone says to you, I went to confession once and I was, whatever I was confessing, uh, the priest said, that's rebellion. I said, no. He said, yes. And I said, no, I don't. My heart doesn't rebel against God. He said, but what I did was an act of rebellion. And I tell you, it really struck me because to sin is rebelliousness. Did I intend it? Uh, it's questionable. I certainly, my heart doesn't want to rebel. I have no thought of rebelling against God in my heart. But it's it. what we do shows us where we're at. And so we need to know that when we sin, we rebel against God. And when we think about it, that we rebel, that struck me very hard. When we rebel against the God who gave his all for us and never continues to give his all for us, it's it's it, it really is... If we're sensitive, if we have any love for God, it cuts us to the heart. Just like the people in Acts chapter 2, when Peter told them that they killed uh, their own Messiah, and they were cut to the heart, that's what compunction is, cut to the heart. And they said, oh my goodness, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, all of you, for the remission of your sins. And that's... The only answer today, and if we've already been baptized, we need to repent. To repent is to make a 180-degree turn. We're going in one direction, and we turn around and go the other direction. We're going away from God, and we turn around and and go to God. And we say, well, it just it was a little sin. It was just a little sin. Whatever the degree of sin, we are turning from God, and we are rebelling. So let me continue here. There are many reasons for this rebellion, Father Hardin says, against the family and revolution against marital stability. But one of the main reasons has been the demonic zeal of Marxism, which has penetrated by now every country in the world. We return for the moment to the few quotations that Father Hardin said he made at the beginning of this talk about women's liberation, which entered the modern world from communism. This is um, a talk that Father Hardin gave at the uh, National Marian Year Symposium, and these are excerpts from that talk. Father says you cannot read one book by Nikolai Lenin without seeing proof of what I have said, he says. Radical feminism with its hatred of men and its enslavement of women under the guise of liberating them from home and family has its roots in Marxist-Leninism, as I learned years ago. He says, every basic idea of women's liberation that is destroying the family life can be found in the writings of Lenin. In many cases, radical feminism has borrowed the exact words of the evil genius who, along with Karl Marx, created world communism. Oh boy, I have a few tangents I'd like to go into right now, but we will never do this, read this article if I do. So I'm not going to give into that temptation of what feminism has done. And what, (laughs) I have to say at least this little bit, 
I gave a conference to Catholic women, Catholic, faithful, homeschooling, Catholic women a few years ago. And we had a Q&A session after the talk, and they objected to several things on on uh, what they said my ideas of modesty were. Well, they weren't my ideas. They were from popes and uh, Catholic writers. Um, and then we talked about the home and activities in the home. And they objected uh, to with anger to some of the things I suggested. Um, uh, I, I think if I say this, you're going to probably object too. women's nights out, get, women getting together to just socialize or even read a good Catholic book together. What's wrong with that? The woman's place is the home, not to leave the home and leave her husband with the children. She's not a prisoner home. If she lives her vocation, it is the greatest joy for her. She doesn't want to be anywhere else but the home. And I said to the women, can you picture the Blessed Mother going out to women's night out in Nazareth where she lived? Can you picture her leaving Joseph with Jesus, a perfect child? Can you picture that and going to be with the women? It's so worldly. It's so selfish. It, it's, she wouldn't need relief from the home, even though she had one child instead of ten. She wouldn't think of that. Her place is the home, and it's the greatest. I could take myself as an example. I'm superior of a, a religious community. We're small. We've got to kind of still look, for, find a home and a bishop who will receive us. But what if I had a night out with other superiors during the week? What if I left one night a week just so I had a break? I wouldn't consider it. I, why, why would I consider that? Absolutely not. My place is here. I don't need relief from here. I don't need a vacation. This is my joy. This is my freedom. If I need a vacation, if I need a night out, something's wrong. Then something is wrong, and I'm doing something wrong the other six days of the week if I need a break. And so I say it's the same thing with mothers. Um, they may need help to, to know how to live the vacation, vocation, to know how to walk with God, to know how to walk in love. I, we all need help, but um, these are simple things, and, and everyone rebels. Everyone re- I, I, I've, not everyone, but I've hardly met women in this age, good, faithful Catholic women, who, uh, who don't rebel against that and think I'm just over the top. I'm going to continue now. Father Hardin says, family life can only be restored in countries like ours only by Catholic families living up to the teachings of Christ and His Church. This means two things. First, ordinary Catholic families cannot survive. They must be extraordinary families. They must be what I do not hesitate to call heroic Catholic families. This is so important, beloved. If you say, well, we're not heroic, but we're, we're a good Catholic family, you will not survive. I can tell you that now. You, no one will survive, including individuals who are not heroic Catholics, who are truly living their faith. 
There's the music for our first break, beloved. Um, we will take calls, text, emails after our second break, but you're welcome to call in at any time. And the toll-free number is one 511 5483 LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm a retired Los Angeles cop. I'm a Catholic lay evangelist. You probably hear me Monday through Friday at the Terry and Jesse show. My new show on spiritual warfare is called Jesus 911. Every Saturday at noon. That's a Soul Patrol Catholic program where three cops on fire with our Catholic faith. You can hear this program around the world on the iCatholic Radio app. Jesus 911. Saturdays at noon here on the Station of the Cross Radio Catholic Network. God bless you. Keep the faith. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back uh, to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. I'm thrilled to be with you, and we are going to take your calls at the half-hour break. And until then, I'm going to try to get through this article. I keep stopping for my own comments, and I'm never going to get through it. So I'm going to reread the last paragraph. Um, Family life, Father Hardin says, family life can only be restored in countries like ours only by Catholic families living up to the teachings of Christ and his church. This means two things. First, order, this is such an important statement, beloved, that's why I'm repeating it. Ordinary Catholic families cannot survive. They must be extraordinary families. They must be what I do not hesitate to call heroic Catholic families. And beloved... I, I can't stop from commenting. This is just so good. Um, if you're not heroic now, you're, you're going to have to be in time. And I think a short time from now, you might as well start practicing now an uncompromising, holy-lived faith now. 
ordinary Catholic family, Father Hardin says, are no match for the devil as he uses the media of communication to secularize and desacralize modern society. No less than ordinary individual Catholics can survive. So ordinary Catholic families cannot survive. They have no choice. They must either be holy, which means sanctified, or they will disappear. The only Catholic families that will remain alive and thriving by the year, he says, 2000, alive and thriving. Well, we're 20 years past 2000. He wrote this in 1988, but alive and thriving, thriving by the year 2000 are the families of martyrs. Father, mother, and children must be willing to die for their God-given convictions. Back in the second century, the fathers of the church scoffed at her persecutors who were trying to crush Christianity by fire and sword. The persecutors were told that the blood of martyrs is the seed of Christians. What the world most needs today is families of martyrs who will reproduce themselves in spirit in spite of the diabolical hatred against family life by the enemies of Christ and his church in our day. Second, family life can be restored in our society only by the apostolic zeal of holy Catholic families reaching out to other families who are in such desperate need today. Pope John Paul calls this, and of course he was Pope still at this time, Pope John Paul calls this the the apostolate of families to families. I love that. The apostolate of families to families. In other words, the sanctification of family life implies two responsibilities, not just one. The personal duty for each Catholic family to grow in holiness as a family and the social duty of working as a family to help other families to remain alive and to grow as families, not in spite of, but almost because of the demonic opposition from the unbelieving world all around them. We are now in a position to ask, what is the role of the Blessed Virgin in the sanctification of the family? In other words, how important is Our Lady in making holy or sanctifying the Catholic family. Her role, I do not hesitate to say, says Father Hardin, is not only important, but it is indispensable. How? Mary is indispensable because of her powerful intercession with her son to obtain for Catholic families the graces they need to protect themselves from the enemies of the family in the modern world. Mary is indispensable because she provides the example to Catholic families of the virtues they must practice to sanctify themselves and to save and sanctify others in the apostolic, in the apostolate of families to families. Praying to the Blessed Virgin Mary is the first and most fundamental way that families can become holy and it means at least seven things listen up beloved number one every catholic family should have some daily prayer with which they say which they say together to the blessed virgin mary the most obvious is the holy rosary two every catholic family at least once or better two or even three times a day should recite the angelus together 
Number three, we have cards of the Angelus Beloved. We've given them out before in newsletters. If you wish them, just email us and we'll put them in the mail. There's no charge to you. The Angelus is traditionally prayed six in the morning, noon at six at night when the bells used to ring through the cities to pray the Angelus when the angel of the Lord came to Mary and told us she would bear the Son of God. Luke chapter 1. The whole thing is biblical. Um, Number three, every Catholic family should make each Saturday of the year a day specially dedicated to the Blessed Virgin. It should be something that involves the whole family each Saturday in honor of Our Lady. And such examples are fasting on Saturday. We fast from meat on Saturdays any kind of fasting, lit, the litany of Loretto, which can be played, uh, prayed the first Saturday devotions, many, many examples. Number four, every Catholic family should have at least one picture or painting of the Blessed Virgin in the home. Five, every member of a Catholic family should wear a scapular in honor of the Blessed Virgin. Also, Every member of a Catholic family should be enrolled in the confraternity of the miraculous medal, wear the medal, and daily say one Hail Mary and add the invocation, which is written on the medal, O Mary, conceive without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. Number six. Every Catholic family should have at least some books on the Blessed Virgin in their home and subscribe to some bona fide Catholic magazine, which has articles on Our Lady. Reading about Mary is a sure way of growing in the knowledge of Mary. Knowledge leads to love and love of Mary leads to becoming an apostle of Mary. And if you want one a book for a suggestion, I would recommend St. Louis de Montfort's True Devotion to Mary. Number seven, every Catholic family should have at least one small statue of Our Lady in their home. This should become a little Marian shrine before which the members of the family will say at least one Hail Mary every day. These foregoing seven practices of devotion to the Blessed Virgin are by no means exhausted, exhaustive, but they are typical of the kind of silent and vocal prayers that Catholic families should exercise if they wish to obtain from Mary what they as families constantly need from our son, from her son. End of article. Now, people, some people object, I'll go to Jesus. I don't need to go to Mary. Well, Jesus came to us through the Blessed Virgin. Who are we to not go to him through her? Are we higher than Jesus? He humbled himself and became man, took on flesh and blood from a virgin. The flesh and blood that we receive at Mass, now risen and glorified, at every Mass was given him by the Blessed Virgin. Um, And you say, yeah, but why have a statue of her in the home? Um, Praying to statues is idolatry. No, it is not. Our Lord commanded that statues be made in the Old Testament of cherubim above the altar. Uh, We have statues all over our country representing our heroes of past. Unfortunately, now, um, ignorant rioters are tearing them down. Why do I say ignorant? 
Uh, ignorant is not stupid. It means lack of knowledge. They don't even know what those statues represent. They don't know and understand the history of our country. And so they're destroying our history. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with racism. It's complete ignorance. And it's, uh, it's really awful. It's real, I've told the story before. I'm going to tell, tell it again. It's one of my favorite stories. Carl Keating uh, is the founder. He's known as the father of um, uh, modern Catholicism. He is, uh, or rather, of uh, modern apologetics. He is. Uh, he's, he founded Catholic Answers. He's a lawyer. He developed and founded what today is, is I think, the number one Catholic apologetics apostolate uh, in the world. And it, you can go to catholic.com and you can type in any subject you want in their search box and you will get a very reliable answer. Orthodox, true to the church, fantastic. Christopher Check is now president and they've got a fantastic staff. But one years ago, Carl Keating, he went to uh, many, many churches with Patrick Madrid, who's my hero. Patrick Madrid and Carl Keating were somewhere in the country to do a parish mission. And when they got to the parish, there was a life-size statue of Our Lady of Fatima on the front lawn of the parish. And there were three little statues of Lucia, uh, Francisco and Jacinta, the three little children to whom Our Lady of Fatima appeared, kneeling, statues kneeling before her, and a few little sheep around there, the, just the picture of Fatima. And Patrick Madrid looked at Carl and he said, Carl, don't we have a great religion? Not only do we pray to statues, but statues pray to statues. <laughs> Is that crazy? If you laugh at that, you should laugh at that because it shows how ridiculous it is. We don't believe that clay or plaster or uh, stone or whatever they're made of, they don't answer us. Um, We're praying to that saint. We're praying to Our Lady through the representation of Our Lady of Fatima. Just as when our family, our parents die or someone beloved dies, uh, we have their photos. And I can pick up a photo of my mother who died 30 years ago, and I can kiss it. I can Mom, I love you. And I pray for her every night. Probably she doesn't need my prayers anymore, but I pray for her every night. And that photo is as representative of her as the statue. As statues began before we had photography. So to think that Catholics pray to statues is insane. We pray any more than we pray to photos. We pray to the Blessed Virgin. And why do we pray to her? Because any saint who's with God is outside of time and space, and the prayers of a righteous man availeth much, and there is communication um, with those whose rest is one. That's what Charles Wesley, Wesley wrote in the, um, what is that hymn? Um, but we on earth have union with God, the three in one, and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. We have communion between heaven and earth. We do. And we need their, they don't need our prayers if they're in heaven. If they're in purgatory, they very much need our prayers. But if they're in heaven, we very much need theirs. And whether it's a photo or a statue or words in a book that bring our hearts to heaven, Every bit of that is gold to us, and no one, no prayer is more efficacious 
then praying to Jesus through Mary, then consecrating ourselves to Jesus through Mary. Why? Because he loves that. He loves his mother, and he gave Mary to us to be our mother, and he loves it when we trust that and we go to him through her. Can we go to him directly? I'm not even sure anymore. Everything goes through Mary, and every grace comes to us from Mary, the Mediatrix of all grace. We'll be right back, beloved. We'll take your calls right after the break. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations thank you for helping to save the culture. We at the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio want to thank you for your continued support of our ministry. Much of the technology and equipment we currently use to bring you our great Catholic programming is getting old and outdated. Thanks to your incredible generosity, we are moving forward with major upgrades to our broadcast equipment. Our goal is to build state-of-the-art technology infrastructures which will give us greater capabilities to keep pace with modern broadcast and media requirements. These upgrades will enhance your listening experience and help us to bring you even more great Catholic programming. Over the next several weeks, our systems will be under construction, and during this time of transition to new technology platforms, we do expect to experience some technical hiccups and glitches. We ask for your patience and understanding as we work through the many issues we expect to face. We hope you will remain confident that we are building for a long future of quality Catholic broadcasting. Please keep us in your prayers, and thanks again for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to uh, Mother Miriam Live. And we have a whole half hour now to ourselves, and I'm here to take your calls and your emails and your texts and our toll-free number, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have Andrew on the line. Dear patient Andrew from Colorado, thanks for holding on. Are you there? Yes, Mother, here I am. Oh, great. Okay. Is it Andrew? Did I get the name right? Yes, you did, Mother. Uh, fantastic. Okay, go ahead with your question, dear one. Uh, Mother, I have a question regarding communion, and yes. I'm a Carmelite that lives in Colorado, and uh, I received communion on the tongue, but um, 
at this point in time, I'm not able to receive on the tongue. Mm-hmm. And I do not go up for communion um, because I do not want to uh, desecrate our Lord. Um, yeah. But I was wondering, um, what should I do, Mother, about uh, communion in the hand? Um, I'm wondering if I would be able to um, receive on the tongue somehow from a priest, but I'm not sure how to go about doing that. Well, the Church allows communion on the hand, so you certainly can receive on the hand. I'm with you and would not, but um, it is a desecration. Um, if if you can find uh, maybe... I, your Carmelite, um, maybe there's a Carmel near you that serves communion on the tongue. Uh, I would do everything I could to find a Latin parish, even if I have to drive a bit. Um, and if not, you could speak to the priest personally. And if, if not, then you can make a choice of receiving our Lord on your hand, which I would not do, uh, but you can, and or just making a spiritual communion. Thank you, Mother. All right, which is kind of where you've come to, right? Yes. Yeah, it's it's very tragic. Um, let me tell you, Andrew, and everybody else, I'm going to look up the um, the website. I watched, uh, I think I can find it. Hold on just a moment, Andrew, and everybody else. Um, oh, this is not it. I need to find it. Um, I watched yesterday John Henry Western, who is the co-founder and editor of LifeSite News and uh, family. I think he has uh, eight children, I'm not sure. Just a fantastic um, holy Catholic man and family. And uh, if he tells you his story, he'll tell you he wasn't always that way, but God has truly uh, changed his life, and he's fantastic. And it's the best presentation I have ever heard on the holiness of our Lord and the desecration of receiving communion in the hand. It's absolutely fantastic. And it was sent out as an email yesterday. It's the John Henry, that's John hyphen Henry Weston, W-E-S-T-E-N show. And again, uh, it'll be on LifeSite and it'll, you can go to LifeSiteNews.com uh, and find it. Uh, probably YouTube and everywhere else. I I would recommend everybody get to that and watch it. Everybody, uh, you will have everything you need to support communion on the tongue and to not take communion in the hand. So, um, Andrew, God bless you, and uh, God God reward you for your suffering and for your reverence of Him. Thank you, okay. Linda's mother, for taking my call. You're welcome, dear one. We have a call from Joe in Massachusetts. Hi, Joe. Hi, Mother Miriam. I, Hi. I have a situation that when I'm watching uh, the Mass on TV, my mind seems to wander. I, I keep trying to take it back and not concentrate, and it's still, I'm still wondering. And also what happens when I'm saying the rosary. Yeah. I, uh, I wonder what your advice would be for that. Yes, of course. And even people's mind wanders at Mass, even when you're present at Mass and not watching it on TV. Uh, our minds do that because they're very easily uh, uh, distracted, extremely easily distracted. And we want to concentrate, it, but we've got a million things on our mind, which is why... 
um, when praying, especially the rosary, if we really focus on the mysteries, it's it's a help. And the same thing at Mass, uh, if we really um, understand or learn, uh, read a book and come to understand what's actually happening at Mass, and we can go through the whole presentation of our Lord's death and resurrection, um, it, it's a wonderful thing. Um, I find it easier to follow and to consecrate, uh, concentrate rather at the Latin Mass than the Novus Ordo because the Novus Ordo, there's so it's 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 so Protestantized. There's so many distractions. It's almost entertainment. Uh, you can't concentrate on what's happening. It's very very hard. But at the Latin Mass, there are not those distractions, and you can read and you can pray in silence and and enter in deeply to our Lord's uh, sacrifice for us. So um, I would say, Joe, um, just keep bringing your mind back. Uh, If you find it easy to concentrate through prayer, through the Mass and all of that, this is a good thing, but that's not heroic. What is heroic is when your mind keeps wandering and you keep bringing it back. There's a story of a young, I think, seminarian, and Padre Pio was in a church, just in the confessional. During the day, the church was open. He was waiting for people to come to the confessional, and he was in there. And a young man came and spent a good amount of time uh, trying to adore our Lord. I don't know if he was in there for an hour or less or more, but his mind, he fought the entire, uh, let's say, hour. His mind continued to be distracted, continued. He was so upset about it, and he kept bringing his mind back to pay attention on, on his devotion to God. And he finished his hour, and as he was walking out of the church, Padre Pio started applauding him like that. And, and the young man didn't understand it. And why did Padre Pio applaud him? He, he said he applauded him because that was saintly, because he didn't give in to the distraction. Even though he kept being distracted right to the end, he kept pulling his heart and mind back to God. Even if it was two seconds and he was distracted again, Padre Pio said, that is heroic. That is sacrificing for our Lord and not letting the devil win. Even though he was distracted the whole hour, the devil didn't win. He kept focusing back on our Lord. So don't be discouraged, Joe. Um, uh, I love that story because I get distracted as well. Okay. I just want to say that I agree with you with communion on the tongue, but our parish is just getting open now, and um, they're going to practice social distancing and communion in the hand. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been so long, and I think I should go at least once. Well, you know what? There's no shoulds. You do what your heart leads you to do. And and if you receive in the hand, that's all right. Uh, if, you're, if it goes against your conscience, your heart, whatever, follow that. Follow that. Follow... Uh, follow your heart. Uh, our Lord said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if... If you're doing this out of love for God, and you could say, Lord, I'm so sorry to receive you in the hand, but I don't want to be without you, that's fine. It's absolutely fine. But if you... Great if you advice, say, Mother. Thank yeah. you very much, Mother All Mary. right, sweetheart. Okay. All right, Joe. Thank you. All right. Yes. We have a text. We, 
bye bye, sweetie. We have a text who says that it's from a Catholic family man. That's very good. And he says, we attended a private mass last Friday. During communion, I knelt and was refused by mouth. The host was placed in my hand with force. My wife was last, and as I watched, she too was refused by mouth, and I saw how the priest was irritated by us not following compliance and forced the host into my wife's hands also. Were we wrong for accepting the host in our hands? You were not wrong. No, there's no sin on your part. There is sin on the priest's part. He had no right doing that. But it's curious because if you receive um, on the tongue, your hands should be, if they were folded together um, to receive on the tongue and your hands are folded, the priest can't get in there. And if he tries, you just keep them folded. So I don't know what the position of your hands were, but um, in any case, that is a bit of a tragic situation, but you were not wrong. It's not your fault. You were not wrong. It's the priest's fault. He has no right. He is the one in sin. He has no right to do what he did. He may be complying with the bishop, but the bishop is wrong. No one has any right to force communion in the hand. No one. No one has any right to deny you communion and to deny you communion on the tongue, which canonically is the number one way to receive our Lord. That's why I'm going to urge everyone, look up LifeSite News. It aired yesterday. Whatever you have to do, find John Henry Western. If I can find it during the next break for you, I will. I I want everybody to see that program, the John Henry Weston program, dealing with communion in the hand. It's the best ever. You have two two things. You have a little book to read by Bishop Athanasius Snyder called Communion in the Hand. It's a booklet, very small, uh, but perfect. And then John Henry Weston yesterday. I, I urge you to see that. Um, we have a, an email from Cheryl. Cheryl writes, Mother, I want to start a practice of fasting. Very good. I was thinking of starting on Fridays. That's good. And then maybe eventually adding Wednesday. That's also good. People fasted on Wednesday in the early church because it is the day that um, uh, is understood when Judas went to the Jewish leaders and betrayed our Lord. Uh, that's what Wednesday means, and so people abstain often from from at least meat, if not fasting altogether on Wednesdays. Um, here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, we abstain from meat Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, but um, uh, uh, Cheryl says, does that sound like a prudent plan? Absolutely. It's 100% fine. Um, uh, if it was less, it would be good. If it was more, it would be good. It's how our Lord leads you. It's just fine. She says, I'm in good health and don't have a labor intensive job, etc. Good. Also on fasting days, what kind of prayer does a lay person do? Is there additional prayer and reading holy books? Is there anything else I should do on fasting days? Thank you for your help and God bless Cheryl. Cheryl, there are no shoulds here. I would, um, if you're able to, to, to fast and, and increase your spiritual reading, 
during that time, it's always a good and holy thing to do. Wednesdays, I believe, are generally given over to uh, uh, Joseph, St. Joseph, in his most chaste heart. So you can, what I, I would suggest, particularly on Wednesday, um, Father um, uh, Calloway, Don Calloway, has written a most excellent book on consecration to St. Joseph. In fact, uh, we're going to be sending an email out um, this week uh, that written by Don, Father Calloway, and... Um, uh, on consecration to St. Joseph. it's And people say, well, I've already consecrated my life to Jesus through Mary. That's right. And the Blessed Mother would wish you to consecrate your life also to her spouse, who was her protector and the chosen protector of the Universal Church. So consecration to St. Joseph for these times. I'm going to head the email for such a time as this. That's going to be the title. Those of you on our email list are going to receive it. Um, and uh, I would get that book. In fact, Father Calloway has given us 80 books free, and if you wish one, it's yours. We'll mail it to you free. Just email us. Go to www.motherofisraelshope.org. Sign up for our newsletter on regular mail, but also email, and you'll automatically get that email. Um, Motherofisraelshope.org, and uh, it'll be the email on consecration to St. Joseph. Um, and the title will be for such a time as this. That's what St. Joseph is being brought to us now for such a time as this. He's the patron of the family and of the universal church. There's the music for our break, beloved. Uh, I'm going to try to look up that URL on John Henry Weston. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here. 
here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We've got a good 10 minutes. Our lines are open. We've got Kristen. Kristen, hold on a minute on the line from Los Angeles, and we can take your calls as well. So call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother uh, at com, And I did find the John Henry Weston show. And if you want to watch it, I... I want to uh, almost beg you to watch it. It's absolutely the best. It is uh, beautifully presented, reverently presented uh, by the chief editor and fa- co-founder of LifeSite News. And it's on YouTube. And all you need to do, the, the website is a little, the, the uh, URL is a little complicated. Type in John Henry, that's hyphenated, John Henry Weston, W-E-S-T-E-N, show, S-H-O-W, and then just put a communion in the hand. That's it. And it'll come up. It was, a, I put in jo- the John Henry Weston show, a little plus mark, which you probably don't need, communion in the hand. And it's the first thing, the first thing that came up. Five reasons, or you could just put this in, five reasons why Catholics should never receive communion in the hand. Um I think I'm going to send it out to the world. It's absolutely outstanding. Um, and you know what? I wasn't asked to do this, but while we're on John Henry Weston and LifeSite News, they are right in the middle of their fund drive campaign. They're going toward the end. It's, it's about the end of it, and they really still need quite a bit of money to keep them going. They're all over the world, 40 million people. They're the reason I'm coming to you live stream. It's truly wonderful. And again, I wouldn't come to you through LifeSite News if Station of the Cross didn't come to me first. It's a, it's a joint effort. And I love them both. Absolutely trustworthy. So um, I would urge you to go to LifeSiteNews.com and donate. And if you're thinking about it, don't think about it. Just do it. And if you are on LifeSite News and watching the st- me on uh, Mother Miriam Live on their podcast, do it right now or when the show ends or whatever it is. Uh, uh, help them because they need it. They need a station of the cross, but uh, during the fund drive, we make a special effort to catch them up on the money they need, at least for the next three months, if nothing else. Okay. So God bless you. And again, the title of the program is five reasons why Catholics should never receive communion in the hand. Um, and it's John Henry Western show. All right. We're going to go back, and we have Kristen on the line. Hello, my friend. 
happy feast of St. John the Baptist oh, today. Oh, shame on me. Shame on me for not talking about the forerunner of our Lord. It is his feast day. Today is a first-class feast. Kristen, you're my woman. God bless you. I apologize to you and to everybody else. Shame on me. For I'm so focused <laughs> on what's going on with the destruction in the church. And, you know, I, I prayed to John uh, the Baptist this morning, uh, St. John the Baptist, because he was our Lord's forerunner. And I asked that I and all of us may be forerunners for the rest of the world who doesn't know him yet. So God bless you, Kristen. You're right on top of things. Well, this is also why I'm calling. I'm absolutely horrified to hear people calling in and to even hear a suggestion that we would receive our Lord um, as a, um, a spiritual communion instead of a real communion, um, and instead of receiving him on the tongue. Now, I don't understand this at all because, and I think it's a fault of all those... Well, I'm going inter- to interrupt you, Christian, but pardon me. People are... Um I haven't heard anybody yet call in with a uh, conflict on spiritual communion versus receiving our Lord on the tongue, but spiritual communion versus receiving our no, Lord no, but, in the hand. That's okay, the, but that's the problem the con- is that they would. But the problem is here, and this is where I, I say this is wrong, Catholics, because it is a grievous, grievous sin for any priest, any priest, publicly to deny the blessed sacrament to a communicant on the tongue. You're right. Uh, publicly. Okay. You're right. So all these people who are going to go sit in their seat and have a spiritual communion when our Lord is waiting every second of the day for thousands of years for them to come and receive him is, 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 is serious fault on that person. Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it, hold it, hold it. Okay, no, I want you to finish this out. So, uh, no priest, you're saying, that's what the church says, should deny communion on the tongue, and it's a horrible thing for thousands of Catholics to be sitting in the pew and have a spiritual communion because they cannot receive our Lord on the tongue. Are you saying they should receive him in the hand instead? Not only, no, of course not. Not only should they, what are they to do on then? the tongue, but they go their... up, they go up to the in line, yeah. they kneel down, Good. they put their head back and they receive on the tongue. They simply do that. Now, if the now, the, now let me just say the priest won't do it. The priest will, let's just give the, uh, the scenario because I know of people who have knelt down and put their tongue out and the priest will simply refuse them. In fact, I have a friend who went, especially, she called the priest, she had not received communion, and she said, would you give me communion? He said, yes. She made an appointment with him. She went to the church. She was the only one there. She knelt before him. She put her tongue out, and he refused. Okay, so, but then she has to remind him that it's a serious... First of all, he may not deny her Holy Communion unless she is a public a witch, public sinner, 
Yeah, this is but the priests don't agree. Uh, Kristen, I love you because you are perfect in what you understand. Uh, and you, I know I'm going to announce this publicly that you worked for Father John Harden for years. You are a tremendous soul. And what you're saying is 100% correct. But what we are receiving in messages is that if people kneel and put their tongue out, the priest will not. If they speak to the priest, if the priest is told he has no right to deny him, he still will not. Some bishops allow communion on the tongue, and the priests still will not. And uh, it, it, what? So there's the question. No matter what, even though the priests are a hundred percent wrong, even though the bishops in this matter are one hundred percent wrong, they are in sin. They are going against our Lord's command, the Church's canon law, but they still will not comply. And so all these people sitting in the pew could go up, all of them, and stay on their knees with their tongues out, and the priest won't give them communion. Uh, What do you do? Actually, actually, he will. And I've been in this situation so many times that I know this. He will give them Holy Communion. He must. And he must. They must stay on their knees. If he he spends all of communion sidestepping them and giving out Holy Communion to everybody else in line, and then uh, you're the last person kneeling on your knees waiting for him to give you Holy Communion, he must. And, but he won't. And but he, he won't. And if he goes to, no, if he starts going to the altar, you you announce publicly that it's a violation of canon law, and you will it, contact it, the bishop because it won't I've matter. been told by our bishop. Yes, it does matter. I've been told by our bishop's office here in Los Angeles to contact him any time that happens. Because to me. you have a good bishop. Uh, there is such a bishop. I th- I'm going to announce publicly, I think it was Bishop Stika Stike in Tennessee. He told anybody that if they make a fuss, putting their tongue out, they will be removed from the church and not allowed back in. Kristen, this is happening. So I know what you're saying, and it may happen with you in Los Angeles, but there are places, again, not only of bishops and priests refusing communion on the tongue, putting people out of the church and not letting them back in. You say they must, but they don't. And we have to face that reality. So there's the music for the close of our program, beloved. And we will be with you all tomorrow. I love you, Kristen. The reality that's happening is beyond imagination. God bless all of you. We'll speak with you tomorrow.